This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is iFanboy Pick of the Week, number 813, brought to you by Mac Weldon. For 20% off your first order, visit MacWeldon.com slash iFanboy and enter promo code iFanboy. And iFanboy listeners just like you are boosted, thoughtful, helpful, considerate, getting by, doing the right thing. I, I mean, what else can we ask of you? Drink some water. <laughs> Let's 
welcome to iFanboy Pick of the Week, episode 813. We're renumbering this week, so this is episode number one. We're, we're not okay with it with the comics, but we're okay with it for yeah. ourselves. Yeah, every week, new number one. We think that this high number is making people scared to jump into the podcast, because actually there is a long history of continuity, and it, I often worry that we're too insular. Reboot time. Yeah, Reboot. that's what I'm saying. We're going to, well, this is probably the worst time to bring it up, but we are going to look at replacements. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I don't mean you, I mean me. And then you might also have a chance at a replacement. So one of us is going to get lucky and be replaced. (laughs) I'm Josh Flanagan. Uh, This is my co-host, Connor Kilpatrick. Hello. We are iFanboy. Every week one of us picks the book they like the best from their stack of comics, and we call that the pick of the week. We are going to talk about that comic book, specifically the pick of the week. It's that the show is named after it, so we give that its own time. That's important. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about other books... Those collectively get more time, but not individually, usually. We talk about the patron pick. That's the pick that you pick. So many picks. Pick, pick, pick. If you're a patron. Do you remember the old Purdue Chicken commercial? Pick, pick, pick. pick no. Pick, pick. Really? It's not stuck in my brain. Okay, that's no. good. We'll answer listener mail if we have time. We have fun. There will be spoilers if you have not read those books. Not, not egregious, but it happens. No. Connor, you had the pick this week. I did, and this was my first pick of the new year, and I thought this was the best week of the new year so far. When I finished reading on Wednesday, I had about five books that I was considering as pick that I could make the case for pick. And so I, I slept on it and mm-hmm. I woke up on Thursday with She-Hulk, number one, Marvel Comics, written by Rainbow Rowell, art by Roger Antonio, Enrico Renzi, and Joe, Ho, Joe Caramagna. <laughs> That's the one you fumbled on? That's the one I fumbled on. There may not be a name that we have said more times in the history of this show other than our own, <laughs> the Joe Caramagna. I was going to go like a donut joke, but and then like four things came out of my mouth at the same time. Mm-hmm. That's what That's happened. fine. Joe I, Caramagna, yeah. holding it down. <laughs> you got another shot on the next book, I see. I do, I'm going to redeem myself. So, She-Hulk. There's been several She-Hulk series in the last, I want to say the last few years, but I don't think it's been the last few years. I think it's probably been the last 10 years. Like there was a Dan Slott one and there was the Charles Soule run. And this is, from what I can gather, the first issue of a five-issue miniseries, which they did not put on the cover, but they don't do that because they want you to buy it. I haven't read anything from Rainbow Rowell, but you were very effusive of her writing in comics anyway for the Runaways book. And I've always liked She-Hulk as a character. She was one of my favorite Marvel characters probably going back to my formative years reading the John Byrne series, and she's always been a great character in Avengers and Fantastic Four. So I was looking forward to this book. This was interesting because it didn't seem at all to relate to anything going on with She-Hulk in any other book. I think that it, it acknowledged that to a certain extent. It was just like, okay, now that stuff's all behind us. and then Right, and that's and not necessarily making a criticism. It's just funny. Like She can change back to her regular human self. She's sort of mousy and unconfident. I was like, wow, really? Okay. As long as we establish the parameters, that's fine. I had a very similar reaction to the mousiness. I was like, that's weird. But right. you get the idea that it's almost like as a person who like had a major life change as a later adult, an older adult. Yeah. Not, not elderly, but you know, like if you're like 40 and you get divorced and everything changes on you, it's going to change your perspective. And over at Avengers, she went through some shit. So yeah. I'll allow it. And also, you know... If it's time for a character reset on her, I think that that's this is exactly the thing. Yeah, so. yeah. I think what threw me the most was the very first caption box says Jennifer Walters, She-Hulk, former attorney. And I was like, she was just in court just a week ago. Was she herself or was she She-Hulk? She was She-Hulk, but yeah, okay. it's the same. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I thought the opening scene where she runs into t- Titania. I don't think I've ever seen that name out loud before in my life. Titania. That sounds right. One of her f- supervillains. And they have a very charming 
Flash-esque fight where Titania wants to fight, but She-Hulk's more just like, what is going on here? Let's let's talk. Why are we Why are we fighting? Also, are you married? Do you have a house? Then your life's better than mine. And I thought that was a great opening. And the thing that was great about it was that it started off as just the most typical comic book thing that you see. You're like, okay, we're going to get on with it. Oh, no, my past has come back to haunt me. We're going to fight. And there was a thing like us, like, she's reformed. And then, and then mm-hmm. Jen was like, "Aren't you reformed?" And and basically, <laughs> she's frust. She's a frustrated, like, just suburban person. Like that's really, and and I re- I really thought that the way that that scene went was I found it quite refreshing. I really yeah. enjoyed how it ended up. And he's like, "Hey, this is good for me too. Let's get together and fight club it." <laughs> yeah, we'll find an empty field and we'll just beat each other up, get out some aggression, and it'll be fine. Yeah, it's great. It was good. After the fight, she finds her new boss. I guess she's joined a, a, a tiny boutique law firm run by Mallory Book who is a very mean boss, and then goes, hangs out with Janet Van Dyne, the wasp. I think hang out is, she got kind of like, he's like, all right, here you go. I got shit to do. I'll see you later. Ooh, okay. <laughs> I think the premise here is that she is starting her life over. She's got nothing. She's got no money. She's got no place to live. In the fight in the beginning, she has to stop to take off her suit because it's her only good suit. She doesn't want to rip it by turning into She-Hulk. And so here, Janet gives her one of her spare apartments full of a lot of clothing. So she's got a place to live. She's got a job now. And everything's coming up She-Hulk as she takes a bubble bath. But then one of my favorite parts was the ending, which was a big reveal in which Jack of Hearts, one of the seminal like C-list Avengers who died way back in Avengers Disassembled, when Bendis started, way, way, way back in the early 2000s, appears in front of her and then says her name and then collapses. And so I thought it was a fun little cliffhanger for her oldest school Avengers fans. I thought this was just incredibly charming. And the Ro- Roger Antonio art I thought was really terrific. What do we know him from? I was hoping maybe you know from, maybe that, I don't know if he did Runaways or not. He might have done Runaways, but it was Chris Anka and then like a person who drew like Chris Anka. So I, I will look into that, but I know the name. I don't think it Terrific was... Terrific character acting. Yes. Really fun, dynamic and the action, action sequences. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you're right. Everything you want from a book like this where, you know, you're going to spend as much time not in action sequences and in, as in action sequences, so... I like the fact that she took her clothes off. I don't mean mm-hmm. that in a sexy way, but she's like, I, I only yeah. have the one suit. Because that is one right. of those things... It's like when they address the mustache and Red Hulk. Right. You're just like, well, oh, okay. I did think, I was like, bras are very expensive. You that I mean, not that you should have taken <laughs> it off, but I did think... That's going to be a problem for you because that's a that's a, I've learned that's a and she needs a good one right a, a quality bra is not a cheap yeah. item right and then she ripped the suit anyway which was disappointing <laughs> well now she's got a lot of suits my other completely like this is has nothing to do with anything is that she goes into the apartment and this is a thing in fiction that always happens that people find some way to be in amazing apartments yep in the city I assume this is New York yep and it's just like thank God you're a rich person because New York City apartments in fiction are either tiny closet apartments or palatial estates. There's no, no one's in like a railroad. Like it just doesn't happen. Anyway, the way that the furniture is set up where it is like in the middle of the room and diagonal bothered the (laughs) shit out of me. I was like, (laughs) why are you, you're wasting the most valuable real estate on earth. (laughs) Yeah. Why isn't that couch against the wall? Oh my God. Just to be able to move around. The feng shui is all messed up there. Yeah. And you would think Janet would know better. She can get so tiny, though. How old are those clothes? Like, that she was so excited. Like, are they, like, 10 years out? Or did, does Janet keep them? Because she's into the fashion. It looks like someone had just been in there because one of the shoes is knocked over. Mm-hmm. Or, or nobody's been in there since. She also said that. So the other thing that right. I thought was interesting is that she puts on 
the clothing. Yeah. She puts on the hat and she's so happy. Does she hulk up because she's happy? I'm talking about on page 23. Yeah, I think it's like a manifestation of her mood. When she's not happy, she's sort of mousy Jennifer. Uh-huh. And then when she's feeling good and confident, she hulks out. Yeah, I don't know what the rules are for her. And I also think that they yeah. probably change. Right. But it's kind of interesting. If nothing else, that's what that page is suggesting. What I would have done if I'm her, not Rainbow Rowell, but the character... I would have gone back to Jennifer for the bubble bath because then you would have fit in the tub. Yes. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. But maybe she's just so happy being in the bubble bath, she can't be Jennifer. Maybe that's just her whole thing is when she's Jennifer, she's just not happy. I'm seeing relationship complications there. (laughs) Unless that's a good thing. Right. I just thought this was incredibly delightful and fun. Yeah. As a She-Hulk fan, I was really happy. I read the Soul run. I read the Dance Lot run. And I like She-Hulk, so I was was excited to get a new book and I was excited that it was really good. Rainbow Roll did a very long run of great runaways comics i looked forward to it every month and this is the same writer here you know like it's like oh you've got this right you know she does female characters really well but Mm -hmm. not in a way that is demonstrative what i'm saying is they're not constantly mentioning the fact that like girl power yes yeah they're just realistic characters existing in a world Mm -hmm. and it's good she's just a great storyteller and also we say this a lot but as a prose writer and this has gotten much better you know it's a correct comic book format and script like it oh yeah the amount of dialogue and action is the way that it's supposed to be like she came fully formed as a creator doing great character work it's always good to get more blood in Mm -hmm. the system yeah yeah and new blood i think the colors are great in this the colors and the artwork together it's just like you have to get the colors right in a she-hulk book you just have to and then i think it's 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 perfect don't forget the letters Yep. Joe Caramagna. How do you pronounce that? <laughs> Another book that I loved this week was The Amazing Spider-Man, 887. And I do want to mention that last week's show, The the Revolution stumbled a bit. It was supposed to be King Conan 57. But listen, The Revolution will not go smoothly. The Revolution requires a person with a maniacal uh, <laughs> adherence to detail. And that is not me. So I'm with you. The Revolution you. <laughs> will be podcasted, but it will not be without stumbling blocks. Well, yeah. If you don't know what we're talking about. You'll have to figure it out. You'll have to look at the cover of Spider-Man. I do want to mention, for all these Beyond books, we've had terrific, terrific covers by Arthur Adams. We haven't talked about that at all. We usually don't talk about covers, but he's one of my favorite artists growing up. He's one of those guys who was a big deal in the 80s. Did you have the Wolverine poster? I did have the Wolverine poster. I had the Art Adams Wolverine poster in my room as a, as a lad. I think everyone at our age had that poster. did eventually was like cut him out. I cut out the outline and just put it up on its own, which is probably a collector cool. no-no. Yeah, whatever. It looks cool. He stopped doing like interiors, and he pops up every now and then. This cover in particular is just so visceral and uncomfortable. Terrific cover. Anyway, I love this issue. As we get close to the end of this Beyond storyline and Ben Riley, this features uh, art by Mike Dowling, written by Zeb Wells, who is the person from this writing brain trust who is taking over the book solo uh, with, uh, Robert, with Robert Downey Jr., John Romita Jr., uh, somewhat soon. So we're reaching the end of this Beyond story, which is appropriate because in this issue, it all sort of goes to hell. The true diabolical nature of Beyond starts to get revealed. Ben Riley and his girlfriend start to figure out that this is all very bad. And some poor sap psychologist realizes she got duped. A lot of this book is just conversation, but hey, I really like Mike Dowling's art a lot. I think he brings a really interesting quality to superhero work. He's not like a typical superhero artist. And... The big plot reveals were pretty important, and the I thought the ending was appropriately harrowing, in which we find out they've been manipulating Ben Riley's memories. But there is a danger in that if they go too far, his memories will just start collapsing into themselves, and that's what happens here as his brain starts his just starts to come apart memory wise. 
and I don't like Ben Riley and wish he didn't exist, but I did feel bad for him. I'm still in the same thing with this series is that I don't really care about the character or storyline, but I keep mm-hmm. reading it because I think it's well done. That's 100% correct. I think that yes. that's what it is. And I keep thinking, I think there's a chance that this could turn into something really good and I kind of don't want to miss it. I don't really think that's mm-hmm. going to happen, but I think it's possible. But I am on the verge of not reading this every single time. And it's not because <laughs> when I read it, it's bad. It's because I ultimately don't care. I agree with you. But then I think when it's all said and done, it's been very good up to this. This is issue 12 of the storyline. When this is over, if they stick this landing, it's like, well, that was a really solid Spider-Man story that I didn't care about the character, but I thought the story was really solid. I think that's what's going to end up being. Like if it ends, I'm cool with it. Like, yeah. but I don't want to read this for 60 issues. That's the No, no, thing. they've already announced The Amazing Spider-Man number one by Zeb Wells and John Romita. Well, the, a, coming, a Ben Riley Spider-Man book came out this week. I didn't read that. I, didn't I don't want to know what's going on. No, but I was like, yeah. well, why does he get a second book? <laughs> like, There's people over here without even one book, and Ben Riley's got two. Well, I thought, well, maybe that means that he's done in this first book, but he's still here. It should have been like, Peter returns, and then Ben Riley gets right. his own book that same week. But now he's got two books... And I'm saying, where's my Clint Barton Bucky book? You can put them in one book. Right. Save time. Did a great miniseries. It looks like, you know, it says next issue. And it's got Captain America holding up the Spider-Man costume at us, the camera. We are the POV of someone. So I would assume that Captain America is like, get back in the fucking suit, Peter. He says it nicer because he's Captain America, though. I don't know. Is that Black Widow or does Mary Jane have a black cat outfit? Black cat. I know. Well, it's that's black Mary cat. Jane. Right. It's Mary so, Jane. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's Mary Jane's getting the outfit. I don't know. Who is that artist? I already closed it. Is it, is it J. Scott Campbell? Something like that. I don't like it. I don't like it. Uh, I don't like it. By the way, to, to come back, uh, Roj, I don't know how to pronounce that. He's he's from yeah. Brazil, and they have many yeah. Portuguese characters in the name that I don't understand how to pronounce. Just say, so Roj Antonio yeah. or Roger, I don't know which it is, yeah. did X-Men Red. He did Conan the Barbarian during the Jim Zub, but he may have done some of the other ones. He did Injustice Year Zero. That's where we know him. Oh, uh, that's where we know him from. Yeah, that was great. Yep. That art was terrific. Yes, it was. It still is. This week, we have a long-awaited return. Aerosmith, Behind Enemy Lines, number one, from Image Comics. Saying Kurt it out Music, loud Carlos just makes Pacheco. me angry. <laughs> <laughs> and just as context, Aerosmith, number two and four from the original series were both pick of the week way back in 2003, back when it was a DC Wildstorm book. We liked this book. Back in the day. I don't even remember. Wasn't it Image before that, though? It was like an homage book? No, it was it was Wildstorm originally. Huh. So this is, according to the requisite essay in the back, this was a, I think it was an Aerosmith, no, I know. Saying it out loud, I know. Saying it out loud is awful. Is a novel, he's going to do an Aerosmith novel, and then or a graphic novel. And then don't you put that a, music in there. <laughs> don't you do it. <laughs> I like Aerosmith, but I'm not going to do that. Yeah, this was going to be an illustrated prose novel, and then it didn't happen, so then they, they converted it back to comic form. I got to say, in terms of the requisite prose essay, yeah. Kurt Busiek is kind of OG with that. Oh, I love Kurt Busiek. Yeah, like, I, like he's been doing that for a long time. He's not following a trend. They're following him, so right. I got to give him that. But it was at the same time, and I don't mean to laugh at this, but I am, is that if the essay starts with an apology about why it's been so long. That's generally how his essays start. <laughs> and there's deadlines and health issues. And I was like, it's literally 25 years of this that I've read in the back of every... He just copy and paste the first paragraph into every essay. I mean, like, it's like an abusive spouse. Listen, I've been under a lot of pressure lately. <laughs> Bills are behind. 
Our admiration for Kurt Busiek is second to none. I know. So it's just like, it's just, oh, okay, you can come back into the house. It's okay. It's fine. (laughs) Just stop apologizing. You're going to do it again. (laughs) So. This is a fantasy story set in World War One, in which the flying aces fly with dragons as opposed to planes. I was hoping to like this more than I did. I don't remember it at all. I don't know that I read it back then. By the way, this is the creative team from Avengers Forever. Yes, it is. I liked it, but I didn't love it. I kind of didn't yeah. know what to expect. It felt a little like maybe you don't have to go back to everything you ever did and didn't finish. Right. Kind of. I liked it fine. Like, it was okay. I was hoping, like, man, I, I really remember really liking the first mini, and I, I would love to go back and read that. I'd love to go back and read many things. And I finished it, so that was good. I mean, good enough where I'll keep reading it, but I didn't blow my socks off. You know, Behind Enemy Lines is the title. This guy, you know, he's on his mission. He, he and his dragon get knocked down behind the Prussian lines, and he's got to survive. And he's got to keep his dragon magic away from the Prussians. And I liked the relationship, like, the way that the dragon-man relationship goes. Mm-hmm. I liked that part. I liked the troll guy. Yes, that was the best part. The way that... People don't do this a lot anymore, but he came up with a pattern of speech for him. Like, it's an accent that kind of sounds like it's Russian or whatever, but I was like, I, was like yeah. I think it's relatively original to this, you know, group of people and the way they drew his injury and the rock and then the social... Stigma. The stigma okay. of trolls, you know, and, and but he grew up with them and, you know, there's a racial component there for sure, or at least an yep. uh, ethnic component mm-hmm. if we're talking about Europe. All that stuff was interesting. I also think that, Connor, you know, you're talking about a thing that happened however many years ago. I don't remember it. I'm not sure if I ever read it, and I had no problem reading this. Yeah. You know, I like the setting. Everything in it, to me, was new. This is more or less a new series in my experience, and I thought that that went well. I'm going to read more, because yeah. it's better this than most This was a sequel stuff. 19 years in the making. Yeah. So. That's a big expectation to fill. <laughs> I know. I mean, I remember liking it, and I remember the name. I didn't even remember that it was set in World War One. That's how long 19 years is. So I'm not like coming back and going, oh man, that guy again. It's like, I, I had right. no context for what I was reading. And listen, we don't know how long a second issue is going to take. But I know I'm not going to see a third issue for a long time. No, no. It says He says in the essay that the first six issues are all written and drawn. He has learned that. He has improved that part for sure. Yeah. He said that this is planned to be two six-issue minis. The first six are already drawn. So we should, these should come out regularly. All right. That's cool. After yeah. that? In 2045, we'll get a second run of issues. <laughs> All right, I'm in. I'm in. We're in. It's good. I don't know what year this is, Josh, but Silver Surfer Rebirth, written by Ron Mars and drawn by Ron Lim, touched me in my early 90s comic parts. When I was a kid, I loved the Silver Surfer comic. Ron Lim was the artist on it, and was it Starlin? Was it Ron Mars? I don't remember who no. the writer was. No. Because back then, it was all about their artists, so I don't remember who the writer was. Sure. Um, but I read this book and I was taken back. I loved it. And then I guess this is appropriate that we're doing it right after Aerosmith because this is even, you know, this is going back to a time even before the original Aerosmith comic. It feels to me like maybe that Peter David Hulk was a big success. I guess it was because mm-hmm. they're doing three minis. And so they're like, well, let's bring back some more 90s creators and have them go back to their characters. And so this, I mean, this is like some sort of out of continuity takes place at the 90s. I guess they're also doing it with X-Men right now, I think. Mm-hmm. With the classic creators, and you know, you've got Captain Marvel's son, Janice Vell. The Kree have the worst names. <laughs> like in all of Marvel, the Kree have the worst names. That's why they're so angry and always warlike. It really looks like I, I didn't even notice it. Like, literally, just didn't, yeah. you know, catch it when I was looking through the books. But yeah. now that I'm going through it, it's kind of cool. 
it brings me back. It, it is actually modernized to a certain extent. Like it doesn't look like you know the stuff from the time, but it doesn't look like it's out of place either. It's been sort of a nice blend. Uh, there's a shot like at the I think it's the second page basically is a two page spread of a big spaceship going into a space yeah. butthole. Oh, it's a black hole. Sorry. <laughs> That's great. Everything about that makes me happy. It's smoking. It's you know like yeah. it's a big sort of goofy looking ship. Yeah, I, I mean, when I was reading comics in the early 90s, I loved Ron Lim. I loved Ron Lim, but I was still annoyed that he took over Infinity Gauntlet from George mm-hmm. Perez. But uh, I loved Ron Lim. I followed him wherever he went. I think he did uh, He did the Thor stuff I read originally. Huge, huge name in the early 90s. Also, I mean, Ron Mars, who I, I consider, he's a friend of mine at this point, I think. Yeah. He's a great writer, and, and yes. he comes from an earlier era, but... He was ahead of his time in that era, I think it's safe to say. So when he does yeah, comics Yeah, he's like now, a weird hybrid yes. where he was ahead of his time at the time, but then too early to catch up to that time. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think that people think of his name, and I'm guessing he doesn't get a lot of the mainstream work because he's from that time, but I have no doubt you know, that you put him back into mainstream comics, I think he'd do great work again. It's the same conversation we have with Peter David. Peter David, uh, um, uh, oh, frick, the the Superman artist writer who did a Dan bunch Jergens. of stuff. Dan Jurgens, you know, and and then they're friends, like they're sort of all of the same sort. Of, but you know, they do great work when they're given the chance, and and even and it might be us being a little biased because there is a little touch of like our you know golden era gosh scales, but it not even that it sure. doesn't rely heavily on that. Like you know, Kurt Busiek is actually a guy who can actually exist in two worlds too. Yeah. This reflected that. It was well written. There's a nice cliffhanger. And the structure is good. It seems like they're playing with all of the toys from the Starlin toy box here. Mm-hmm. At one point, Silver Surfer's with Janice Vell. And then they crash through some... I thought that was a little janky in terms of storytelling. They crash through some glass thing in space. And on the other side of it, Janice Vell has turned into Marvel, Captain Marvel, who we just also read about in Death of Captain Marvel. And then... Thanos shows up, and so it's all, it's like everything is going in the box. I assume Adam Warlock will be not far behind. I was like, this is fun. This is super fun. Yeah. If you want to go back to the 90s, as every piece of media is right now, those guys still can do it. They can still bring it. You know, I'm glad to see they're getting some work. Yeah, that's a throwback thing that I can get behind. I think most of it ends up being very silly, but I got to say, it's not so much going back to the characters and the stories. I really like seeing what these guys can do because they're, you know, they're masters. And they're veterans. They've been around. They've learned a lot. They've they've done the stuff, and that for me is really fun. That was the fun part about Peter David on the Maestro stuff. Was it's just like, look at this guy go, and and like yep. he's been through some shit. I, did he yeah. have a stroke? He's, I mean, he had like a severely debilitating. I think you're right. He did. I think I it think was a stroke, and I just thought, okay, well, like I, he's done. He's not even close. You know what I mean? Like, no, those books have been terrific. Yeah, you know, comics moves on, and it's interesting because. You know, you and I came up through a very specific, I, mean, I guess everybody did, but, you know, like, coming out of the 80s, comics were really this thing. It was all sort of hiding, going off the Jim Shooter stuff, and it morphs into what becomes the comic book boom and crash era, which is the image stuff as it changes through there. Mm-hmm. And to me, you know, the place where those two met right in the middle, that was the best part. You know, not the full-on mm-hmm. boom, you know, image stuff that was about selling a shit ton of comics. And not the sell toys in the 80s comics, but that little bit, middle bit. Then it goes into bankruptcy, and we bring up this sort of auteur era, a writer-auteur era, which you and I, I think, many people our age, probably consider like the best era of comics 
you know, like, oh, there's a really mature and there was, and that, but now I'm like, I really like these early nineties, late eighties guys a lot. I, I just, <laughs> yeah. it makes me, this just, they, the Roger they get Stern, something. Avengers, yeah, yeah. all this stuff. They yeah. just get something Walt that. Walt Simonson's Thor. Yeah. And, and, you know, Bendis, Brubaker, Rucka, whatever, they're great, but those guys are all novelists now that I look back. Like, that's what <laughs> they were doing. Yeah. You know, the whole John Byrne era, both at Marvel and DC was yes. in there. Like, it was a great time in comics. Exactly. Guys like Wade and Music come out of that, too, and they're still, yeah. you know, amazing. I agree. From a Blaze Comics, Guillaume March's Laura and Other Stories, number three, I believe this is the final issue, So as it would encompass the other stories, because we had Laura's story, the first two issues. You put this on the list, and I was like, well, I feel like I missed something, and I did. Laura was the first, and I was like, well, when did that come out? I remember you mentioned, and I forgot about it. That came out in, like, late November. And I was, like, last night, I was like, I don't want to read all three of these, but I don't want to read the last one. So tell me what I missed, and then we'll get on. Well, this one you can read, because this is the other stories. Laura's story was the first two issues, and this issue is the other story. So this is two short stories in this one. And I primarily wanted to talk about it because of the first story about Irene, which becomes this really interesting meta story about Guillaume March's creative process and his fears about his own talent and his limitations. I thought it was really terrific. So it starts off with the, the prerequisite sexy Leo Marsh lady who meets <laughs> Miyazaki, the great <laughs> animator, and they go on a journey and Miyazaki basically lays bare Gio March's limitations and then Irene becomes Gio March as they're on their journey. So now he's himself. Miyazaki's basically saying, you keep doing the easy thing. You keep drawing the same stories. You are afraid to do autobiography, so you're couching it with these sexy ladies, but really all these stories are about you and your fears. And I thought it was really well done, penetrating look at an artist's insecurities. It's weird because I can't think of any other comic book people who have done stories about their own insecurities before. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's such it's you. It's weird to think they'd really plow that ground and go for it, but this is the first time I've ever heard of it. <laughs> it was good. And then the second story I liked a lot. It was uh, called Muse, and it was about these roommates in college, with two guys and a girl. And of course, the girl's very attractive, and the one guy is an artist. And he needs a naked model he's going through all of his friends and he just doesn't see that this woman is is his muse but just doesn't recognize it for whatever reason i gotta say i thought it was good it sounds worse when you say naked model other than nude model (laughs) i need a naked model over here i need a naked model yeah who wants to get naked i'm teaching an art class at a community college (laughs) i'm looking for a naked model sorry a nude figure model (laughs) it's classy there's uh there's me and my cousin are in his class uh, it's at uh, 2414 23rd Ave uh, Upstairs on the third floor Bring charcoal Yeah so Did you ever do figure drawing ever? Yeah I did figure drawing but not nude figure drawing I did a nude lot of figure, figure drawing okay. in high school Yeah, I feel this feeling like, like I did it in high school Because I can picture myself in the room And I was in a relatively advanced art class But I can't imagine they'd let a naked person come into the school <laughs> To a high school <laughs> Well, no, but I can see the art room and like it had a lot of windows and it was lit really well and I can picture it. But who knows? It was 94, you know. Maybe. I know I did it in college. Oh, really? Yeah, I took some drawing classes in the very, like probably the first semester. And and Mm. I thought the teachers were so bad that I never took any again. Like I was like, these teachers are terrible. But either way, the point is, it is super unsexy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It is the most unsexy thing. You know, like there's, there's like nobody would do that to be a creeper. Anyway, naked models. There's your digression. I enjoyed this anthology from Yo March, not as much as the one that came out from Image or the the one that was re released from Image, but I thought this was good. 
And I, th yeah. I thought the, the first story here was, was the highlight. So if you are interested in reading it, you can totally just read this issue. It's just on its own. Cool. Speaking of good, yeah. I, I think you and I are both happy. We're both happy yeah. to welcome back Mac Weldon as a sponsor once again this year. Yes. I mean, it's no secret we all want to look our best this winter, right? Absolutely. Mac Weldon is the expert when it comes to essential clothing that is also perfect for the cold. Whether you need a legitimately warm shirt or you're just looking to upgrade your sweats collection, Mack Weldon has exactly what you're looking for. If that's not convenient enough, let me tell you about Mack Weldon's daily wear system. All the clothes work together, so whether you're headed to work, or going for a run, or hanging at the couch, getting dressed takes no effort at all. So you've got the Ace sweatshirts and sweatpants uh, that we've talked about many times, the warm-knit collection in underwear. Those are perfect for the winter wardrobe. The last time we did this, I was like, I had to get one of those Ace sweatshirts. Yeah. And I did, and I can't take the damn thing off. <laughs> I'm like, this is just the best. And I'm, I think I've washed it once or twice, but I was afraid to because it was just so great out of the package. I have washed it. It's, it's fine. But I was right. like, I, I wore it for weeks. <laughs> well, I was excited that they came back this week because over the holiday break, I was in New York, and it was cold, and I had my gloves that I wore for 15 years, nice leather gloves, and they split along the seams. Yeah. So I was like, I need new gloves. And I thought, well, I wonder if Mac Weldon has gloves. And they do. And I, so I bought myself a pair of Tech Cashmere gloves, which are oh, Cashmere I like Merino Wool said. blend. They're tech because they have the fingertips that you can use your phone sure. when you're wearing them. I've worn them once because I came back from New York. and I haven't really had a need for them in L.A. But, man, they're actually sitting over here on the desk next to me. Connor, send them to me. I can, I can, I can make use of them now. <laughs> okay. And you know me. Like, if I had a religion, it's Merino Wool. Absolutely. <laughs> It's cashmere merino wool blend, Josh. It's great. Uh, Soft. <laughs> Soft. Well, if you like me and you like the feeling of worn clothes, but you don't like to be all sweaty, the Warm Knit Collection uses my body temperature to keep me warm without all the weight. It's as if this was made just for me. It's good stuff. You know, let's, let's not forget about the underwear and the socks and whatnot. No, absolutely. I am frequently adding some underwear. I, I don't think, we've been doing these ads a long time, right? Yeah. I don't think I've had a pair go down. Maybe one. Mm -hmm. I think, but th th that's like six, seven years or something like that. But every once in a while, I add some more in just like that. And so I have, a, I have a good collection of premium underwear. Thanks, everyone, for coming to our comic book show. <laughs> Talking about a good collection of premium underwear. Check out Mack Weldon for yourself if you haven't already. You can save 20% on your first order. Visit MacWeldon.com slash iFanboy. Enter the promo code iFanboy. Again, that's MacWeldon.com slash iFanboy. Promo code iFanboy. 20% off your first order. Find your perfect look for this winter. Get some gloves, man. Batman the Knight, number one. Chip Zdarsky, Carmine Di Giadomenico, Ivan Placencia. 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 Mm -hmm. Pat Brousseau. I think. And this is a new 10-issue miniseries from Chip Zdarsky. I love, I love Chip Zdarsky's Batman stuff so far, and I thought this was really fun. This is a look at the Batman Begins era, and it even says it in the cover. The story of Batman Begins, in a little wink and nod, it's Bruce Wayne in high school, prior to becoming Batman. In therapy. In a time in a world where DC, with all of its multiverse storytelling, is so unsettled and there's no emotional grounding, I'm just desperate for any Batman stories that feel like classic Batman that don't remind me of all the things about current Batman that I hate. And this has got it. Alfred's there and Bruce is there and they're in Gotham and it feels very classic. And uh, the Carmine DJ Domenico art is great. I always... I'm happy when he shows up in a book. He sold me on it. Like, I, I was like, well, what's this? And I was like, oh, well, that's good stuff. We can check that out. Yeah, I really like this. This was really fun. It was. Ten issues. I was like, ooh, that's, that's quite a bit. Yeah. Like we'll it. see if it can last the ten. That's a lot. Yeah. Silk number one. We're back. 
I guess, what would this be, Silk Number 5, 6? I don't know what when that one last left off, but it was a fun little miniseries. I believe Emily Kim wrote that one? This is Silk Number 32. Wow. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. So we got all those numbers wrong last time. Yeah. Silk 32. This mini, I guess, or whatever it is that they're doing, brings us back to that character. Basically, it's a continuation. It's just like the next issue after yeah. that last storyline. Which was a while ago. Yeah, I don't think Miyazawa was the artist on that. Because I know Takeshi Miyazawa. I, I don't know, but I mean, like, it's a name I recognize. It's a different writer, for sure. It is? Yep. Okay. Because that was the big thing they said. She's a, I think she's a TV writer. Okay. They're, they're, they're making a big deal about her writing the book. Okay. I think it was the same artist, but a different writer. Well, it felt very continuous, mm-hmm. I thought. I really do love the idea of a gen z or a millennial who just doesn't understand how anything works right. what's this pound sign in front of the name i was like that's fantastic that's more of you <laughs> yeah no you sold me on the last volume of silk you were effusive about it on the show and so i was like oh that uh, josh isn't uh yeah last one was maureen goo was the writer and okay. Ta- yep. uh, takishi mizao was the artist Ah, there you go. There was the continuity, though, yeah. either way. If something was the same. And so I, I picked this up. I really like this a lot. This is another book that was in the running for Pick of the Week. I could have definitely made this a pick. It was a nice introduction. If you didn't read the last volume, you don't have to have read it. They give you all the information you need here for who Silk is and why she's a lot of fun. This is one of those books that like, the content's really good and the art's really good, but the design of the book is terrible. <laughs> like, the cover is awful. I hate it. And then, like, I guess what's supposed to be the Threats and Menaces homepage, which is where they put the credits and everything. Yeah. And then the last sort of bit, like, it's ugly. It's terrible. Like, it's like a really lame design. But the book's fine. The book's good. It's one of those things, like, if there's anything you can't judge by its covers, it's comic books. Yeah, for sure. The covers have almost nothing to do with it. It's never the same artist. It's It's never the same style. Yeah. Pinups. But they're also, like, not even related to what's inside most of the time anymore. Although that Art Adams cover was fantastic. Yeah. You're right. Nightwing 88, Tom Taylor, and Bruno Redondo was worth a mention because in this issue, Dick Grayson has a price on his head because he's trying to change things. So in order to protect him, the Teen Titans have shown up, or at least some version of the Teen Titans. So Wally West and Donna Troy and Raven and Changeling and uh, Starfire, who's incredibly (laughs) off-model, Cyborg, and then Mr. Terrific. I don't know why Mr. Terrific is. (laughs) He's not a Teen Titan, but he was there. He's a middle-aged Titan. (laughs) He's, He's... All these Titans are middle-aged Titans at this point. Would you think Mr. Terrific just shows up at stuff? You know, like, oh, I guess I guess he's at this meeting now. And he's like, it's <laughs> fine, go ahead. His orbs are floating around. Always. It's just kind of ominous. And you see those first, you're like, oh, shit, he's here. This was super fun. It was fun. I did find it funny, though, that at one point, Wally, you know, saves, saves Dick. <laughs> he has to take him somewhere. He says, do you want to be carried or do you want to... Doing to piggyback, and so he takes piggyback, and they show up with Mister Terrific, and he says, "Hey, I got a new suit for you. This one will fit under your clothes." And I was like, "Did it an old suit? Was it not skin tight? Looked pretty skin tight to me." <laughs> I did think I was like, "You have." Be- I guess if anybody's going to have better tech than Batman, it's Mister Terrific. He's yes. the guy who gives him a smarts run for his money. And I know we're not talking about it, but I, I did read the last one before this, mm-hmm. which was all the you know left to right. Yep. God, it was amazing. It was amazing. I was like, "This is so beautiful," which really made me look forward to this book. Like, I was like, I'm so excited to read the next one because the last one was so fun. And I thought that this one came through in a totally different way. How much better is this book now that we're not dealing with all that Gotham City crap? Oh, so much better. We're back to what it should be. Yeah, next issue says Superman. And I don't know what Superman that's going to be since Tom Taylor's writing the other book. I assume it'll be Jonathan. But... Mm-hmm. Can I tell you something? I know we're not talking about the book. It's on the list. Yeah. I might stop reading that Superman book. Yeah. 
a Tom Taylor Superman book. I, I don't like it. Yeah. I'm on the edge. Strange Academy 15 is another book that I really loved. They just announced this week that 18 is the final issue of this run. So we're, mm. we're getting close to the end. And what I like about this is, you know, these are all basically new characters. The, the teachers aren't, but the kids, for the most part, are. And we've, we've really come to know them over these 15 issues. And so when the, I don't want to say the turn happened, because the turn happened last issue, but one of the kids becomes basically a drug dealer on campus. I was like, oh, man. So what you've got here is a testament to Scotty Young's character work he's done over the last 15 issues and then this has been a really terrific book and, and, and all Ar- new characters yeah and Humberto Ramos has been the artist the whole time and he's just this book looks amazing oh it's, it's gorgeous there's so much texture to the art the Edgar Delgado colors yeah this series has been a big achievement I yeah. think just on all aspects you know it's just like here's a fully formed creative team you know sometimes you read what are we, 15 issues in sometimes yeah. you're 15 issues in and you're like oh my god get it over with I don't feel like that at all right I'm 100% down with, you know, this Marvel magic Harry Potter vibe that he's got going on. It's good. Yeah, really, really, really good. I, I love this issue. And so that was the books we wanted to talk about, but at patreon.com slash ifanboy, you can vote to add a book to the rundown. Any patron can vote. And this week, the overwhelming favorite by a two-to-one margin was She-Hulk number one from Rainbow Rahul, Roger Antonio, Rico Renzi, and Joe Caramagna. And we already talked about it because it was the pick of the week. But Josh... What are the ratings on She-Hulk number one, and are you sticking with it? Four. You're giving it a four stars, and you're sticking with it? Yes, absolutely. I'm going to get a five because it's pick of the week, and I am also sticking with it. So there you go. Patreon pick. Patreon.com slash ifanboys, where you can vote to add a book to the rundown. Thanks to all the patrons who vote, but also thanks to all the patrons who support the show directly at patreon.com slash ifanboy. It is the number one way to help keep the show going, keep the lights on, help us keep the bills paid in this new uh, audience supportive economy that we're in and so we think everyone does that we hope to make it worth your while there are communities you can be a part of at facebook and on discord you can come to our hangouts we've got a hangout coming up next week we try to make it fun and worth your while to be a patron and hopefully you enjoy it and we thank everyone who does it really does make the show run it's the engine that helps the show go also if you want to help support the show ifanboy.threadless.com is where you have our t-shirts our 12 designs including our most recent gosh design good old superheroes and those can be got on T-shirts, or they can be got on skateboard decks. They can be on bath mats or iPhone cases. Anything you can think of at ifanboy.threadless.com, you can get those designs. Thanks for buying those shirts. If you want to get a tattoo of any of those, let us know. We'll send you a high-res image. <laughs> right. Right. And uh, ifanboy.com support. That's our digital tip jar, where you can leave a tip via PayPal. If you don't want to be a th- patron or buy a T-shirt, which is totally fine. Ifanboy.com slash Amazon is where you can find our uh, Booksplode books as well as a general shopping link. And bookshop.org we have recently partnered with, and you'll be finding bookshop.org links on the website as appropriate. If you never use bookshop.org, they're a great service. And you, you can direct your support to specific bookstores or just to a general uh, small bookstore fund. So all those ways are ways that we help keep the show going and people support the show. We thank everyone who does that uh, very much. And now... The patrons who give at the $5 or higher level, they get a superpower live on the show, like these two guys. Padrack. Is that Padrick. right? Padrick. Padrick. It's the, it's the Irish spelling. Yeah, I, I can never pronounce it, though. Padrick. Padrick always knows what the consequences are. So, <laughs> no matter what action you're taking, Padrick knows what, what that means. Like, <laughs> oh, one more slice of pizza? All right. <laughs> Oh wow, that kind. So like, like you can tell that that like you're gonna have acid reflux, or you know you're feeling good now, but you think you're gonna have one more drink, 
That's gonna, uh-huh. you know, you're gonna. Is, is it like the? Could it be like the probability constant? So like that one more drink is going to cause you to trip. When you do that, you're going to break your phone. Yeah, all uh, those things, all, all the consequences. It's it could okay. be physical. Like this is the drink that's going to cause the hangover, or this is the drink that's going to cause you to walk into the wall and break your glasses, or you know right. whatever the consequence is of the action. Patrick knows what that's going to be. Okay. Or you know mundane stuff. If you increase your four hundred one k by one percent. I mean, I could see that you know, any given day, you're like, well, which one of these refrigerators do I buy? Right. Oh, that one is going to break because the reviews aren't helpful. Right. You, the top review is always by somebody who had something go wildly wrong. Right. Some weird outlier. Like, like he can be like, look, this has got a bad part in it and uh-huh. it's going to break on you and you're going to have to buy a new fr- refrigerator because the warranty is going to be out of, out of so date. He so goes, he goes like into the bakery, for example, yeah. and he's like, I would like that donut. And he reaches for the one. He goes, no, no, no. Not no, that no. One. The one behind it. Right. <laughs> Yeah. Well, this one's the same. You got to trust me on this one. In fact, you should probably throw that one away. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what Patrick can do. Pete Doherty, patient Pete Doherty, we mm-hmm. call him, can eat anything. Literally anything. <laughs> he can literally eat anything. So he's matter eater lad. Yeah, he he will consume anything. His oh. teeth will not be hurt from it. He will not be Outside of the normal realms, there's indigestion, there's whatever, it's Does fine. Does he get but quite, like, nutrition from a tire? Let's say that anything out of it that would have some nutritional value in there can be absorbed from it, and the rest... Uh-huh. I'm not going to say like eating a tire will make it turn into poop, because I think that's gross. So let's put in like a, you know, some sort of other dimensional... Right. When he eats it, it is, you know, he takes everything out of it, and then is transported out. Regular sure. food will work with him regularly. He converts it to regular food. Yeah, we'll see. The, it gets tricky here. Somewhere. All right. Well, it's comic book logic. We're not going to delve too yep. deep into the science of it. can eat anything. Thanks to Patrick and Pete for being patrons. The double P boys. That's what I call them. I don't think anybody wants to be in the <laughs> double P boys. That's, that's, um, <laughs> that's, like, that's like an Always Sunny episode. <laughs> oh, Patreon.com slash iFanboy. Oh, man. Uh, well, we have time for one audience question. Look who's first up. Matt P. <laughs> Matt P. from Miami, Florida. Triple P. If you were over one of the big publishers, which plot lines, I, th- I think he means if you were in charge over, of one in of, charge of taking right. over one of the big publishers, which plot lines would you put on a 10-year hiatus? Not very broad concepts like Tony Stark has demons. Or intrinsic character elements like the Guardian's hubris leads to disaster for the Green Lantern Corps. But really specific stories that seem to recur way too often. My two. Number one, Scarecrow has a high-minded plan to make all of Gotham confront its fears in order to emerge stronger. Or two, Thor can't find or use Mjolnir. I mean, the second one is pretty good. Yeah. I don't know if this counts. I don't think this falls in. But I would put a 10-year moratorium on the Joker. I'm serious. No Joker. There's a bunch of villains who I don't want to see anymore for a long time. Because Ten years is too to long. Feel special again. Not for you. It's for you. It's not for me. That's why I'm in charge. I'm not going to keep that job long. Let's no. just be honest. Anything I put in is going to get overturned by Congress. I, I mean, this may fall into his, his uh, too broad, but I would put a moratorium on heroes just feeling like they can't live up to being heroes or having confidence problems. Mm-hmm. Which seems to be like the the thing to do is uh, I can't use my powers because I'm not worthy of it, and that's just not just Thor. There's been other characters like that. I like to see heroes being heroes and not 
I'm not good enough to be a hero. Well, that's not right. I would like again, I, I don't know, I don't know if I can go plot line, so I'm gonna I'm gonna sidestep your question to a certain extent. I don't wanna keep having to deal with Batman dealing with new losses and deaths that compound on the original one that makes up his character. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, he's got this chip on his shoulder about losing... I mean, he should be about losing other people when they actually make him lose other people. Like, it's just, like... And I... I, I maybe I've just read retellings over and over again. Mm-hmm. But, you know, his his initial trauma is good enough. You know what I mean? Don't keep traumatizing him with new things. Yeah, I think the reason why the Jason Todd death worked so well is because it was like, you know, the original trauma burst him, and then this one showed that there's still a chance of him losing someone else. So then it it just, that was a good enough. Like, the sort of reminder worked well. Mm -hmm. It doesn't need to be any more beyond that. But then he's he's alive again, so it doesn't really matter, I guess. I don't know if this counts, because but it felt like it was about 10 years, because it's still going on. But America losing faith in Captain America, I'm done with. Yeah. You know, like they thought he was the Hydra terrorist. It's comic book logic, so you can make this. I want Captain America to be the good guy to everybody. Right. He should be. All the good people, anyway. Yes. Let him be that symbol in a fictional world where he gets respect, and when he shows up, people are awed and inspired, and, you know, I think that's similar to what I said. It's sort of the tearing down of Cap, right? It's like, there's no need to tear these characters down. If you can't tell a good Captain America story without tearing him down, then do a different book. You can't do a Captain America yeah. I am really getting sick of trying to deconstruct all of these characters in terms of the social issues that they once represented and now don't, mm-hmm. which is kind of what you're saying. It's sort of the same thing. Like, I'm cool with social, because social issues have a huge part of comic books and social justice. It has always been part of the fabric. But the deconstruction of so many of the characters, like Bruce Wayne, you hurt a lot of people also. Yeah. It's the point of the book. If you take out the crime fighting, then there's, what are we, what are we doing here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hate that in Batman right now. It's stupid. It's, it's and I get it's, it. It's social media logic. Doesn't make any sense. Yeah, that's I, that's kind of what it is. Which is you know the same thing where we were just talking about. You know, like put the social commentary in your subtext of the thing. Mm-hmm. Don't put it up right and center. You know, like let us understand a, a, a metaphor. I think a metaphor is so much more effective. That's what sci-fi well did. You know, that's what Star Trek. Right. The original series did. It was all subtext and metaphor. Yeah, and I think we've lost some of that. Yeah. Does that sound awful? Is that like like raging white male privilege? No, I understand. It's it's subtext and metaphor is is usually more more powerful, right? Because it's harder to dismiss subtext and metaphor. But it's really easy to like take the character and go, yeah, but these are all the things that would be wrong with him if he was real, right? You know, he's not real. Yes, that's exactly. my point. Like I read these books and I go, okay, great, cool. Like Superboy's never going to solve climate change. Stop trying to, yeah. There's places it works, by the way, when it's intrinsic to a character. So if you're talking about this is we're way off his question, by the way. Mm-hmm. So this is just what happened. Like a character like Tony Stark, part of his character is that he is an egomaniac, an alcoholic, and a womanizer. Right. Those are all fair game. Yep. A- everything's fair game. But it's just like it, it just it's a higher bar to do things well because otherwise it, it it's like people trying to be clever with something that has been done a thousand times and it's not interesting anymore. It's not making any real, it's just, it's pointing at like a rich character and being like, here's the things you do wrong. And really, you're just talking about Elon Musk. Let's be honest. Right. This is a story about Jeff Bezos, not Bruce Wayne. There's a lot more of being hit over the head of stuff now than having stuff be. Whereas, whereas over in Thor. He's not hitting anybody over the head. He's not a hammer. Right. Because he's a hundred percent impotent. That's his dick. And they haven't said it, and that is a great metaphor. I don't even think they know. 
them. But clearly. They might know. I hope they do. In fact, every time I hear like good writers talk about stuff like the good, like they know. You're right. You're absolutely right. Like they're, they understand those things. <laughs> Contact at ifanboy.com. You can write in like Matt P. He's now part of the P Boys. <laughs> um sorry daddy and the p boys (laughs) so you can write in to be on this show or or write in emails for our media explode show we got one of those just yesterday so uh, so sorry thank you um (laughs) this month we in addition to our regular show that you listen to now uh we have the aforementioned media explode show that came out a couple weeks ago in which uh, Josh and Ron and I talked about what we watched over the break. I've also spent a lot of time talking about the third season of Succession, as well as the Beatles documentary, Get Back. And so next next time is going to be an explosive episode all about the book of Boba Fett. You're not going to want to miss it. That'll be coming next month. This month you still have this meat explode, which I just talked about. If you're a patron, our patron hangout's next Saturday, January 29th. You can look for information on that on patreon.com slash ifanboy. And then next month, uh, in addition to the next media explode, you'll have hopefully Josh's next talk explode, which yeah, is it'll be, be this early month. next month. It's going to slip a week. Yeah, he had to bring his kids back to college that week, so he had to wait. We had to push a week. So we had to push that, but you'll be getting that next month as well as a book explode. We'll be talking about the new Teen Titans, the Judas Contract, it's the new edition that came out a few years ago uh, with art by uh, George Perez. Josh, you've never read that, right? I don't think so. No. So no. That's be, that'll be interesting. That'll be an interesting conversation. I'm sure. I'm and sure. then as you're listening to this, I will have seen Spider-Man: No Way Home. I'm seeing this tomorrow as we record. Got to figure out how Josh and or someone else on the crew can see this and talk about it. We'll figure it out. I don't yeah. want to wait too much longer on getting that show out. I'm not even sure it's in a theater, but I know that I'm not going on the weekend. So I'll look at some evening next month. Well, it's still making a lot of money, so I don't think it's going anywhere yeah. anytime soon. We'll get you that show hopefully soon. I, I would like to not wait more than a couple more weeks to get that show out. So hopefully that's coming soon. You can find all the shows that we've done before. If you're like, oh, I can't wait for Spider-Man. Well, there's other stuff that you can go through. Like somewhere there's a Jonah Hex movie review. <laughs> it's not a good movie. I'm going to spoil that for you. But it's there. That's the point. You can find that all. I, I, I still viscerally remember the scene that with you. Yeah. I remember yeah. the parking lot. On, we parked on the top of the parking lot on the roof. Mm-hmm. I remember everything. Yeah. And it's one of those, like, you walk out and you're like, well, no one has anything to say here. <laughs> it's not good. Like, it wasn't even, like, it was just so bad that it wasn't even interesting to talk about why it was bad. Yeah, it was so disappointing. With the, Whereas Punisher Warzone was at least, like, it was bad in a way that was like, wow, that was imaginatively bad. Like, they had to How do you work. Do that? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. It wasn't good, but it was good that it was bad. I, and I don't believe that. I don't believe in so good, it's so bad it's good. But in that instance, that was a fun experience to think about. It was impressively bad. <laughs> I'm not going to watch it again. That's no. not going to be a thing. No. I don't know how you take those those actors who have been in amazing shows. Like, they're all good actors. And just, you know, Josh Brolin was Jonah Hex. Do you remember that? Yeah, I mean, I, I want to relitigate that movie, but if you can listen to the review, you'll hear it all. So you can find all of those shows, all of those past podcasts, uh, and I think we'd be better at giving them bad reviews now, quite honestly. I don't know. Those were really fun and good with the past. We had youthful exuberance. Right, right, right. I just assume I'm better at those kind of things now. Sure. But that doesn't necessarily help. iFanboy.com. That's all there. There's writing from all the people who were there. Uh, you can find out the pick of the week is before the show comes out over at, at iFanboy on Twitter, at iFanboyComics on Instagram. You can follow us individually, C.S. Kilpatrick on Instagram, and J.A. Flanagan also on the gram or IG, or most inscrutably, Insta. I don't like any of that. 
subscribe to our YouTube page at youtube.com slash iFanboy. Smash that subscribe and like button. <laughs> Don't smash it. There's not, that's just, there's, it's unnecessary. Uh-huh. It's a waste of your energy. Yeah. All the old video shows are there. Uh, we're just doing the minis now to catch up, but all the full length ones are uploaded. This past week, San Diego Comic Con 2008 preview night and the Watchmen trailer. Wow, that brings you back. Yep. And San Diego Comic Con 2008 day one featuring X Men and Superman. So, you know, at the time we were doing the minis, they were daily shows. So two weeks worth of uh, San Diego content was appropriate. Now it's going to take yeah. us to February of mm-hmm. uploads. So there's going to be a lot, it's a, it's, a lot of San Diego. It's a delightful time capsule. It's yeah. a time when none of us thought about test results of any kind. It's a time. <laughs> I will say this. I heard you guys making fun of the new comics episodes last week. This coming episode features Joe Casey on the show. No shit. The new comics with us. So if you all know what that means, you can look forward to that next week. I forgot about all those. I'm done with my part. Hey, if you like the show, please consider leaving a review or a star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever podcasts are sold. Uh, even better than that, tell your friends. Word of mouth uh, really helps uh, spread the word uh, all around the world. And we do appreciate everyone who does that. And we're done. So many things have happened behind the scenes that you don't even know about. That part wasn't fun. We are happy to be done with this episode for those reasons, but not because we're not having a good time. The episode part, that was great. Yes. Yep. Everything else, (laughs) not so great. Also, just one more time, big, huge apology to Patrick and Pete Doherty (laughs) and Matt P. They're the P-Boys. Again. I just, I don't think you deserved what's happened here. And you're going to remember it. It's going to stick with you. I think you should make jackets. (laughs) They're yellow. (laughs) Yellow. (laughs) Yellow. (laughs) If they're a little too yellow, you should go see a doctor. Yeah. Goodbye. (laughs) I would do.